1: Hey everybody, this is Dan Lobby,
2: and this is Mary Kay Cabot, and
1: Scott Patsko. Scott Patsko makes his triumphant return I to the Orange Back. and Brown Talk podcast, sponsored by Sibling Revelry Brewing. Make sure you check them out at Heinen's Acme. They have a tap room in Westlake that we were at last month, Mary Kay, for a big event out there. It was a lot of fun. Hopefully we'll we'll get a chance to do some more stuff Uh, like that so thanks to them for sponsoring us and now they are sponsoring us through our first official head coaching search and hire and we are at first energy stadium right now where the browns introduced a few hours ago freddie kitchens as their head coach um off the top of my head i don't think there were any real surprises from this press conference but i'm wondering from each of you what sort of stood out uh from what freddie had to say
2: well, I think first of all, uh, there was the news element of the fact that he's going to call his own place, and I think that's what everybody wondered: Is Freddie going to do the thing that got him this job in the first place, and that's call his own place? Even though he hired Todd Munkin, who is an accomplished play caller, he only did it for one year, but he was really good at it in that one year. Uh, it was basically lights out. They they finished as the number one passing offense in the NFL, and uh, and he just did a really really nice job. Uh, So you would think that, you know, there may have been some thought to letting him do it. But that's not going to happen. Freddie is going to do it. And I think Todd Munkin came here for the opportunity, really, uh, to work with a Baker Mayfield, you know, probably more so than anything. I think Baker is going to be a career maker for a lot of people.
0: (laughs) Or a career breaker. (laughs) There there was one surprise. Jimmy Haslam did not speak. Um, I went back and looked at the press conferences from the past, past Well, his previous three head coaching hires. With Trzinski, he said he was very, very excited. With Pettin, he said he was very excited. With Hugh, he did not say that, although he did say that we're excited at the very end. So I wanted to see his level of excitement (laughs) today. We didn't get that. Um, The one thing that stood out to me with Kitchens was how many times he kept saying that He's not a finished product, he said it in a few different ways I was waiting for John Dorsey to turn to him and say, "All right, cool it I <laughs> <Everybody laughs> think we hired some guy who can do this job but uh, but I don't know maybe that was refreshing i don't know that that he understands that he's learning on the go, and um, he even said it, what, a couple weeks ago that who who's ready to become a head coach um, and think he had who's ready to become a parent is kind of an example mm-hmm. of that, and you now he's becoming a parent of all these players in a way so um, so that was, that kind of stood out to me. That he seems open and, and willing to take advice and seek help, and uh, it's, it's going to be a learning process.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that was sort of the the brand today of Freddie Kitchens. Is here's this guy that. Um, thought he was qualified, knew he was qualified to do the job, even though, like you said, Scott, he did say he's not a finished product. But kind of a guy that was sitting there just waiting and waiting and waiting for his opportunity. And, and when it came along at the end of October, uh, he became the offensive coordinator, took advantage of that opportunity, a lot like Todd Munkin taking this job, like you said, Mary Kay, because of Baker Mayfield in part, most likely. Um, <laughs> Freddie Kitchens knew, hey, I'm if I can attach myself to Baker Mayfield and be successful – Maybe I can get myself into this head coaching ring. And uh, John Dorsey said that when they sat down and put together that initial list of names, that search committee, Freddie was on it. So it didn't take him long to kind of rise from... Random running backs coach that was hired less than a year ago here uh, to head coach. It's, it's a pretty incredible rise.
2: It, it really is. And I, and I think one of the big, uh, the brand, as you talk about the brand, Dan, the, the brand of Freddie Kitchens is that he is a man of the people, right? <laughs> I mean, he is the fan's choice. He's the every fan. He's the Cleveland guy that's sitting next to you at the, on the bar stool, right? Mm, I mean. Exactly. That's who he is. In fact, you know, we asked him today. You know, did you think about wearing the dog pound hoodie? And he said, Yeah, I wanted to, but Peter, who is uh, Peter John BFP, the PR guy, you know, wouldn't let me. He didn't even want me to have this ball cap on. Uh, but but Freddie won that battle. But but that's what he is. That he is. You know, he's one of us. As far as when I, and I'm speaking from a fan standpoint, he's one of of you guys. You know, um, and I, I think that is a major appeal right now especially in the aftermath of of Hugh Jackson, because obviously so many of the fans uh, did not like Hugh Jackson. So I think that uh, the Browns are kind of riding the wave of... I mean, look, they had the press conference at First Energy Stadium. I mean, this was like an enormous amount of fanfare for the new head coach of the Cleveland Browns.
1: Scott, I want to go back to a point you made about, you know, Jimmy Haslam wasn't up there. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think this also goes into the category of this fan base is all in on the GM right now. John Dorsey, they put all their trust in John Dorsey, they believe in him wholeheartedly because of Baker Mayfield, because of that draft, because of 7-8-1, and one, even mm-hmm. though Freddie said that's not good enough. right? Um, I, I think having John Dorsey as the guy that hired this, hired Freddie Kitchens... Having that, I think, makes the fans feel like, okay, we trust this guy. Even though he's never hired a head coach before in his life, we trust that this guy got this right because he's gotten Mm -hmm. so many other things right since he took over last November.
0: It was interesting when, I forget what the question was, but uh, Freddie said that he didn't think he was a popular choice Mm -hmm. to be coach. And uh, it came around again to that, and he said that he's been reading all these stories about running back coach rises to head coach of the Cleveland Browns and, and how big of a jump that is and, and how, how risky people thought that was. and um, There's something worth pointing out about that, though. He, Yes, he went from running backs coach to, to head coach here. But this wasn't the first time that people thought of him as possibly being an offensive coordinator mm-hmm. in there. When he was with Arizona under Bruce Arians, they were grooming him to be an offensive coordinator. They moved him from quarterback's coach to running backs coach in 2017 because they wanted to expand his resume. That's what Bruce Aaron said. That's kind of Mm -hmm. how he described it. Mm -hmm. Because he said repeatedly that he saw an offensive coordinator job in Kitchens' future. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately for him, the offensive coordinator they had, I think it was Harold Goodwin, Mm -hmm. I believe, never left. He went on a lot of head coaching interviews, never left. Next thing you know, Arians retires, Kitchens and everybody leaves, and he has to start over here. So the narrative that he kind of came out of nowhere it isn't totally true. If everything had stayed the same in Arizona, there's a good chance that, you know, he could have gotten that job there.
2: Well, don't we just, like, forget about Arizona because it's, like, so far away from <laughs> yeah. here. And yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, Arizona. Who was the offensive coordinator of the Arizona Cardinals? <laughs> you you forget right. because, you know, it's so far away and, you know, they're not in the, the conference. You don't, not we don't the division. see them a
1: lot here. Right. play them once every four years.
2: Right. So yeah. he did fly under the radar. Yeah. I mean maybe had he been with a team you know on on this side of the country for eleven years, and the Browns had played those, that team you know every other year or something like that, you know we would have known more about him, but that plays well to the brand for Freddie yeah. that You know, sort of aw shucks, down home, (laughs) Alabama twang, you know. Been
0: running his whole life to catch up.
2: Yeah, been running. You know, my dad's the Goodyear tire guy that, you know, I mean, it's just, it's who he is. And it speaks to Cleveland. Mm -hmm. It says Cleveland. And he revealed to us today, Dan and Scott, that he's been a Browns fan. (laughs) Yeah, who knew? (laughs) (laughs) Growing up in Alabama.
1: That's what I love about these these press conferences and, and listen I'm not, maybe he was maybe he wasn't whatever these press conferences always hit the same notes it, it's you know it's what they're supposed to do did he say that before I'm not sure was? maybe he did I, I'm no, sure I think he, he did. did back when he did. I mean again I I'm did. sure he was yeah. I think but he was but it's just funny like I kind of came in thinking, all right, well, this is one thing we definitely aren't going to hear. You know, we're going to hear him talk about the dog pound in Cleveland, and I mean that's what you're supposed to do because this is getting broadcast out to you know a million Browns fans. So obviously you're going to play all of those hits. Yeah. I had no idea that we were going to hear. I grew up a Browns fan. <laughs> yeah. Freddie Kitchens, who grew up in Alabama, played for the Crimson Tide. Okay. He, you know what? He he played all the hits today. He yeah. Managed to get them all in.
2: Well, I mean, you know. Ozzie Newsom was playing here.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: So, he, you know, he probably had some reasons to uh, to watch the Cleveland Browns, so maybe there was some of that to it. But, you know, he certainly isn't the only one uh, that grew up in Alabama and was a Browns fan. There, who's another famous uh, almost-Browns candidate? <laughs> <laughs>
1: You're putting me on the spot here.
2: Condoleezza Rice, right? Oh, that's oh, true. Oh, Yeah. True. I think we she do,
1: never got an interview, did she? I think we do she did not forget. Get an interview. I think we do forget though that a lot of people, you know, when they were growing up, whether yes. it was when Freddie would have been growing up or before then. Right. The Browns were the show and a lot of people did like those uniforms. Yes. Um who's I'm totally blanking on the baseball player? Hank Aaron. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. Turned into a massive Browns fan for really no other reason Brand than Paisley. Paul Brown. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Jim Brown was on the team and he liked the uniforms. Yeah. So, so. You kind of forget, quoted, I think, that the
0: Browns were the show. Was that a subliminal message to the Haslam's about the uniforms <laughs> when he said he <laughs> oh, likes yeah. the helmet hopes it never changes? Absolutely,
2: 100%. But once again, it goes with the brand. He wants a simple helmet. He mm-hmm. wants to wear his ball cap. He wants to wear his dog pound hoodie. Yeah. He, he is Cleveland through and through. And I think that uh, the fans are getting really, really fired up about him and about this. They're overjoyed about this hire. <laughs> and I, I think that factored into the hire. I really do.
1: It was certainly, a, even though he said it, it was, it was the popular hire. Yeah. Um, let, let's, so let's talk about this. Okay, we, we've, said, we've talked about in past podcasts, posts, a million things. We've talked about the positives that Freddie Kitchens brings. Let's talk about the challenges now. Now that this is real, now that he's, the press conference is over, he's going back to that office, he has a coaching staff, the challenges he's going to face as head coach. and I think the biggest thing is he's taking over a team that is going to be the center of the NFL world really starting after the draft. It's the focus is going to turn to the Cleveland Browns. NFL Network's going to be out here every day mm-hmm. next year. ESPN is going to be all over it. Some website that we've never heard of is probably going to be out here every day covering this football team. This is going to become the national story in the NFL. This is going to become America's team. It's going to be crazier even than when Hard Knocks mm-hmm. was here, if, if we're being honest. Um, and the expectation is going to be to win and, and win right away. And We're not talking seven games we're talking nine ten maybe 11 wins is going to be an expectation for this team so that, that's the first challenge he has to face is expectations
2: well i agree with you and that that is going to be a tremendous challenge and i've gone back to this numerous times now maybe i'm going to be dead wrong about this but i think there is something to the fact that uh they played a lot of bad defenses the last eight games oh, yeah. of the season okay not only the four defenses that were ranked so poorly 28th, 31st, 32nd and 32nd that was four of them but then the Denver Broncos were just on a downward spiral and in that particular game they were down three or four cornerbacks and they lost one or two more during the game including Jamar Taylor getting kicked out of the yeah. game so they were down to smoke and mirrors in their defensive secondary in in the in, in that game so i think like you said, the expectations are high, and I don't know that they were as challenged by defenses as they're going to be. When I watched some of the games over the weekend, and I saw you know some of the pressure that was coming at these quarterbacks, and and some of the good defenses that you know that played this past weekend, I was mm-hmm. thinking you know there just there weren't even a lot of times when a cornerback got in there and knocked the ball away and made a really good play, right? (laughs) I mean, do you remember a ton of times when that happened? Now, part of that is because Baker Mayfield is so pinpoint accurate that he can put the ball exactly where he wants it to go, and most of the time he can put it where only the receiver can get it. He can place it on the right side of the body and all those things. But I think they're going to be challenged more defensively, and teams will be gunning for them. They're going to be game planning for them. They're going to be breaking down the film. They're going to be watching what the Chargers did to contain Baker Mayfield and to keep him in the pocket. They're going to see that if you get a push up the middle, you know, that maybe you can rattle them that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, that's what I. That's where I think the expectations are going to meet a bigger challenge for them offensively.
0: Yeah, almost every team they played down the stretch was on a big losing streak, or yeah. just starting one or in the middle of it. So For me, the big challenge is going to be kind of what happened out there press conferences i think you might have even mentioned this in one of your columns dan about how he's going to be talking to the media five times a week he's going to have a radio show baker mayfield's going to be the face of the team but freddie's going to be the spokesperson of the team that's what a coach is and he's going to be the one that has to go out and explain what he does and why he does it almost every day and how is he going to handle that? We've seen so many coaches just step in it when it comes to that. I mean, how many times did Hugh say something that came back to bite him? So uh, I'm interested to see how that how that works um, and how he reacts when he's the one who has the answer questions about some, what somebody posted on Instagram. You know, he kind of sidestepped that with with Baker this year, mm-hmm. but he might not have that opportunity as the head coach. Um, so. Dealing with that kind of stuff and and understanding that he helps shape the perception of this franchise so much by what he says, because we're going to write about it. Sports Talk Radio is going to debate it endlessly. People are going to comment about it. Fans are going to call in and complain about it. Um, So so how he, he handles that. And we've seen just a glimpse of maybe some contempt for the media from him. I believe it was during the season when he talked about how we go searching for controversy. Mm -hmm.
2: Um, He has said it on three occasions now (laughs) that the media creates controversy. But the first thing that he probably will end up learning is that, you know, you might not want to, you know, bash all those people sitting Mm -hmm. out there in front of you asking you the questions in the press conference. Not that he's bashing, Mm -hmm. but, you know, he's trying to make a point. And I think that's another way that he plays to the fans. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, especially right now in this, in this period of time, right. there is a little, you know, sort of, you know, fake news vibe going on out there a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it, you know, plays into all of that, you know, the man of the people type of thing. But mm-hmm. I think he'll quickly learn that, uh, you know, that the media, if he uses it all properly, mm-hmm. uh, you know, can be an asset to him.
1: Well, and you know what, I'll say this, even though he's said all, he's said those things about the media... I think he knows what he's doing when he talks to us. Mm-hmm. I really get that sense from him. I've gotten that sense from him from the first day he stood up there and, and talked to us as offensive coordinator. Jokes with us about the wishbone. Mm-hmm. keeps referring back to that. Right. He knows what he's doing. He's a very media-friendly guy. He understands how to do it. Right. The questions are going to come up when he, look, at some point, he's not going to go 5-3. and three. In every eight-game stretch. Right. You know, he's gonna have a three-game losing streak. Right. He's gonna have a Sunday where everything goes wrong and Baker throws three interceptions and they get blown out by twenty points, and just every everything's terrible. I mean, Baker threw three interceptions against Baltimore and three interceptions against Houston. You know, he's gonna have a day like that, and then ten minutes after that game, he's gonna have to walk into that room right. and and answer questions that he doesn't want to answer. And and that's to your point, Scott, that's the job. He's gotta talk to us four times a week. He's got to talk to us about injuries, about contracts. We don't talk to John Dorsey. We'd see John Dorsey right. in a press conference setting about three or four times a year and maybe once during the season. So it is Freddie Kitchens that has to answer to everything this, that happens with this organization, even things that he might not even have his hands on. Right. And and that's where it gets stressful, especially when you have to do that stuff in the midst of like a three-game losing streak or maybe a division lead starting to slip away or your starting quarterback just got hurt or or something you know that's when that's when you really get tested as a head coach
2: right and and as as we have brought up before too about the whole notion of expectations they did not beat a winning team in that last eight game stretch okay the the three winning teams that they played they lost to so when you talk about expectations uh, you know, we don't know exactly how the the schedule is going to, you know, shake out next year. But they've got some tough games on that schedule, mm-hmm. and you don't know how teams are going to be until they get into their seasons and they add and they and they start playing. But um, but now they're going to have to beat the winning teams. That's going to be a big expectation for him is to beat the winning teams. And I think that gets lost a little in the euphoria of five and three. Another thing that he's going to have to do that I think is going to be a challenge for him, he's got to blend a whole staff now. He's got be, he's got to be the leader of everybody. Mm-hmm. So not only does he have to lead all the players, but he has to now be the boss, and he's got to lead a staff. Mm-hmm. And guys are coming from all different walks of life, and the truth of the matter is that John Dorsey helped him assemble this staff. And rightfully so. John's extremely well-connected. But these are not people... That Freddie necessarily has a lot of loyalty to, and they don't have a lot of loyalty to him. Now he talked today all about it's we 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 we're all going to be. I sounded like a little pig. Yeah. <laughs> there's, a type, right. <laughs> there's a Geico commercial out yeah. there right now, like that. But, um, <laughs> but you know now he is in charge of all of these guys, and think about just think about this. Todd Munkin is coming in here. He's got an air raid background, okay, which jives with what uh, with what Baker Mayfield does, and he really understands that, and he was very successful running it. So if times start to get a little tough and things aren't working out, Todd's going to want to bring and put his own stamp on some of this. Mm-hmm. Then you've got Steve Wills. He just came from being a head coach <laughs> of the Arizona Cardinals, so he's going to have some of his own thoughts on the way that he wants things done. Then you've got James Campen coming in from the Green Bay Packers, and he's the run game coordinator. He's already very tight with J.C. Tretter. They've worked together for three years. He's very tight with John Dorsey. He's coming in with ideas of his own. And so now Freddie has to blend all the ideas and all the philosophies of an entire football staff, a bunch of guys that don't know each other.
1: Yeah, is it? Speaking of Steve Wilkes, I mean, you know, Freddie's going to have to be able to walk into his office and say, "Hey, you're blitzing too much. Yeah. I don't like what you're doing on defense. Right. You need to change this." And he's going to have to have the cachet where Steve Wilkes is going to say, "Okay, that's fine." Right. You know, and then that's again one of those challenges. This is a guy that's never worked on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, but and again, Scott, like you were saying, when that defense isn't playing well, mm-hmm. Steve Wilkes isn't talking to us. Freddie Kitchens is talking to us Freddy right. Kitchens is answering questions about that linebacker or that cornerback or that that safety uh playing 30 yards off the line. Right. Um, you know and and then Freddie's got to be able to deal with the fallout from that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. But he's
0: he's personable enough to where you yeah. can see that happening. Like you could see him walking into anybody's office and delivering bad news or delivering his opinion in a way that that makes people think, "Oh, okay, I get it." You know, he's do we think Freddie Kitchens yells at people can we imagine that yes I, I that think so I think I, yes
2: because I could see that he was pretty hot on the sidelines uh, in the Texans game wow. Uh, when Baker Mayfield threw three interceptions, that like he was really coming down on him. So I, I mean, I, he's got that in well, it. I mean, yeah, yeah, he he's got that in him. He's tough, and I think that I, I heard an interview with Gene Stallings on the radio the other day on ninety two mm-hmm. The Fan, and he was just talking about how tough Freddie is. Yeah. So I don't think he'll have any problem doing that. I just think it's a matter of pulling together all these. You know, it's going to be like they're all speaking different languages. Even Todd Munkin has to learn. Freddie's language of his offense so instead of him coming in as offensive coordinator and implementing his own scheme he's got to kind of subjugate himself and be part of what Freddie's doing so that's one thing I think there's another thing that stands out to me as far as a challenge for for Freddie and that is Baker Mayfield and Freddie have a great relationship they they kid around with each other. We even we heard, heard Baker kidding around when he you know he grabbed his yeah. beer the other day and said that guy's an idiot. <laughs> well, they have that kind of a relationship. It's fun. It's funny. And Freddie said, of course, you have fun when you're winning. We're not going to be having any fun if we're not winning. And they were winning, so they were having you know a good time in that way. Um, but tough times will come, like you mentioned, also Dan. And, and I asked Freddie today, you know, can you continue to have that, you know, yucking it up kind of relationship with with Baker? Now, he did have that with Lincoln Riley, and you pointed out in one of our podcasts, I think, that the, that he started out as his coordinator first and then became his head coach, and they were able to maintain that relationship. But as we all know, Baker Mayfield is a very strong personality, very, very strong personality, and he – is he's not a cookie cutter quarterback, guys.
0: No, he's not. <laughs> and, wait to hear that.
2: <laughs> and we know that, you know, I mean he, he speaks his mind. And if he doesn't like something, he, he's gonna say it. And it, whether it's to Freddie or Todd or someone else. And so Freddie's gonna have to strike the balance between, you know, being Baker's friend and coach and also at times probably having to, to discipline him and make sure that he's kind of staying in his lane a little bit. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, but, go ahead. I was gonna say a lot of these things though, are we'd be seeing them about anybody. Yeah, right. But I think yes. maybe it's more magnified just because Freddie Kitchens has never been a full-time offensive coordinator. Right. and We're thinking back to how he got here, and maybe that's the emphasis. That we're yeah. On. Yeah, and I, and I think what it comes down
1: to is. We're not saying he can't do these things. we're right. not saying this won't work. we're not you know obviously we're not sitting here throwing a parade just because you know that's not what that's not what our jobs are we're We're talking about the challenges of being a head coach and frankly, when you go five and three in this city in the second half of a season after you went one and thirty one the previous two years had a head coach that was not popular right you're playing the Falcons you're playing a Carolina team with Cam Newton who can barely throw. Mm -hmm. Look, they did what they were supposed to do against those teams, but I I mean, that's, sometimes players like to say, uh, you know, that's stealing. Right? Like, that 5-3, and that's kind of what it was. And the Browns did what they were supposed to do against a bunch of teams, and hopefully they'll continue to do that. But now, it's just going to be more difficult. It's not always going to be that smooth sailing. There's going to come a point where going 5-3 and in an 8-game stretch isn't good enough. And that's That's all we're saying is we just need to see if Freddie Kitchens can handle these things. And hopefully for the fans, hopefully for all of us, because it makes our jobs more interesting, he will be able to.
2: You know, having said all that, though, when you look at the AFC North... I mean, it really looks like the AFC North is so on the decline in so many ways. Even the
1: Steelers are starting to fall apart. Oh,
2: the Steelers are definitely falling apart. (laughs) Antonio Brown is not going to be there next year. Le'Veon Bell is already gone. So the killer Bees are down to 1B. And every every offseason, he tries to figure out whether or not he's coming back. So it's really a time of transition for the Steelers. It's absolutely 100%. A time of transition for the Bengals. I mean, my goodness, they were horrible this year. Now, of course, they should have Andy Dalton and AJ Green back, and you know, if they if they play their cards right, they will really upgrade uh, the defense and, and other things like that. But and there's still so much uncertainty in Baltimore yeah. with Lamar Jackson. I mean, he's got to be able to throw the ball, <laughs> and if he can't throw the football, right? I mean, yeah. so everywhere you, now, their defense is really good. Their defense is really good, although Baker Mayfield seems to have that defense's number. And He was
1: really good in the second half of
2: that game. Yeah, and both in, he, really it, he almost good. threw for 800 yards on the Baltimore Ravens' vaunted defense this year. So, you know, when you the look Lamar at... Lamar
0: Jackson takes a lot of hits. Yes. A lot.
2: So when you look at the best, probably right now, the best aspect or the best segment of the AFC North is the Ravens' defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, in terms of the opponent's. And Baker seems to have a handle on that. So I think that Freddie is catching the wave at the right time. The AFC North is on the downslide, and the Browns are on the rise.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, you listen, if this team wants to make the playoffs, they want to have home games. Because we have seen, right. not just this year, but in years past, if, if you don't have a home game and if you don't have a bye, you're not going very far in the postseason. Um, so the Browns want to try and win that division next year, and that should be... The expectation I and mean, that just goes back to the expectations on Freddie. Here we go. I'm gonna throw this at you, Mary Kay, because you brought it up. uh uh-uh. oh We we talked about the killer bees. Yeah. There is a killer bee who could be available, not Le'Veon Bell, not Ben roethlisberger Antonio Brown. So I'm gonna ask each of you, and I'll I'll answer it first, would you trade for Antonio Brown? And I've gotta tell you, I think I would. I think I think well, I would well, make the, a deal.
0: When you say trade, you mean two. Let's say it cost picks.
1: you. Let's say it cost you at least this year's first round pick. At least, yeah, at least. If we want to get into the nuances of maybe another first round pick, well, then I might back off a little bit. But I, I'll tell you what, I, I, I would. Re- I know that they have had issues with him in the locker room this year. I, I know that you know, like I know what's going on. What's going on here with him, but. That kind of talent with Baker Mayfield. I I would really seriously... And Mary Kay, you can attest to this. I said I wouldn't have given up a first-round pick for Amari Cooper. He's been really good in Dallas. Yeah. I think I would give one up for Antonio Brown. I would at least seriously consider it.
2: Well, you you know, and I've written this, so I'm on record as saying this during the season. I wrote that they should... I wrote wrote this a couple times, that they should trade for Odell Beckham Jr. Mm -hmm. And I also would have given up the first-round pick for Amari Cooper, and I wrote that. So it's not... Hindsight, I, you know, yep. when I was watching him this past week and I was like, I told you so, <laughs> but, <laughs> like, uh, no, but so crazy. I would absolutely do that. I would absolutely trade for one of those kind of guys, because I think that's what they need to put them over the top. Now, Baker Mayfield makes a lot of guys look really good, but it would be really nice to have a guy like that that can also help Baker look like a superstar, so I would go for a guy like that. But the only thing is, I don't think there's any chance in hell that the Pittsburgh Steelers would <laughs> yeah. trade Antonio Brown in the division to the Cleveland Browns. I don't believe it will
1: happen. Unless you were giving up two first-round picks probably. Uh,
0: You'd have to way overpay for him. I would definitely trade him or for him. Uh, I would throw in Antonio Callaway. Go ahead and take him. We'll switch him out with Antonio Brown. That sounds great, but I think you're right of all the teams that they could trade him to, yeah. the Browns are not on that list. There's no, no way. No, no gonna way happen. they're going to face him twice in a year. Nope. They're going to have too many other people knocking on their door trying to get him yep. to to have to entertain something for them. They Browns. won't
2: do it. No. I, I don't they believe won't. they will do it.
0: So all,
1: but all of us, if the Steelers oh, yeah. would, if the Steelers mm-hmm. did decide they wanted that Cleveland could be on the table.
2: I would do it. And I and would still try to, to. to trade for Odell Beckham Jr.
1: And I think his contract too, if I'm not mistaken, lines up with this You'd be out from under his contract before you had to start paying Baker and Miles and all these guys. Yeah, Um, you'd be out from under that contract. It it would work really well.
0: Yeah, just because you had trouble in one place doesn't mean you're going to have trouble in another.
2: Right, and it's all about relationships. Right, and we've talked about this before that um, you know Adam Henry like coached like an Odell Beckham Mm -hmm. at LSU with Jarvis Landry. I mean, Jarvis had a problem in Miami and didn't have a problem here. So a change of scenery sometimes, especially with receivers, especially with wide receivers, makes all the difference in the world. You get into a bad position in, in the situation that you're in, and it's hard to dig yourself out of that.
1: Okay. Well, that will do it for our Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Uh, Mary Kay Cabot, Dan Lobby, Scott Patsko back, sponsored by Sibling Revelry Brewing. Again, make sure you check out their website. Look for their stuff at Acne, Giant Eagle, Heinen's, any place you can find uh, beer. They have some great stuff out. Uh, now, I honestly don't know what kind of winter beers they have. I've had some of their summer stuff, but I bet their winter stuff is really good, too. So go check that out and tell me all about it. Thanks to them for sponsoring us, and thanks to all of you for listening.